Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning. Awesome. You guys doing okay this morning? Hey, let's try that again. Good morning. It's good to have you here. I'm excited about what we're doing in this series. Uh, literally, it's, it's a series that we designed specifically around this time of the year. And I want to say a couple things that are important kind of rolling into this. And, and number one is, man, I, I've just found in my life that with this, as crazy and as complicated and full as my life is, if I really want to retain and pull in information, I can't just listen I've got to take notes, and so we've tried to create an avenue for everyone who calls the Movement Church home, or if you are visiting for the first time, you can actually text the word notes to the number that's on the screen behind me, and that's going to pull up this amazing option that you can follow along with on your smartphone. And so literally, it's got everything that's coming up. You can add notes, and here's the great part. It uses an app called Version, which is the Bible app, and it's worth having on your phone, but... Not only that, it, it literally will save it there so you can go back and access your notes as you move forward. And, and that's not because I think everything I say is the best thing you've ever heard. But some, it is, oh thank you Megan. But sometimes when you're sitting here, not sometimes, and this is our prayer, is that the Holy Spirit leans in in the way that only he can. And while somebody's preaching, whether it's myself or some other of the communications team, our prayer is that the Holy Spirit leans in right where you're at, knowing exactly what you're walking through, and just speaks something uniquely to you, and you want to jot that down, and then you want to be able to access that for your life. I, I feel like there's really nothing better you can do. And in this series called The Monster Inside of Me, what we're talking about is how the fact that under the surface of every human is a monster. It's, it's lurking there, and, it, and it, listen, it takes on various shapes and sizes depending on what it is that we've walked through and what we've been through. And so this monster can take on the shape of feelings of fear or regret or hopelessness. And these are the monsters that we've talked about over the previous weeks. And then what we did and kind of to bring some levity to this, the subject is we looked through the lens of a fictional monster and tried to kind of use it as a launch pad. But let me tell you why. Because... These monsters really are at large in our life, and it's not their existence that's the challenge. What makes the monsters scary is that they exist based upon what I feed them. And you, you would agree with this, I think, if we had coffee and we were able to sit down and you share your story and I share mine. And, and there's a writer in the Bible named Paul who said the same thing. Look at what he says in Romans chapter 7. He says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. And I do things I absolutely despise. In other words, he's identifying that under the surface, sometimes I want to be cheerful, I want to be excited, I want to be filled with hope, but I'm reminded of the things that I've walked through, and then I become overwhelmed with shame or regret or fear or hopelessness. And then now there's this monster waging war on the inside. The writer goes on and he says, so I can't be trusted to figure out what's best for myself and then do it. It becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. He goes on in verse 24 and he says, I've tried everything. Nothing helps. 
I'm at the end of my rope. And I think my fear is that you would endure another holiday season feeling like you're at the end of your rope. And this series isn't to illuminate the challenges that you're facing and the scary things in life, but this series is to illuminate all that God wants to do and can do. In fact, a theme verse for this message or this series is found in Philippians <coughs> chapter 2, verse 13. Check this out. This is why you want to take notes, to write this down and have it, put it on your mirror. It says, God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to accomplish the good things you desire to do. The passion to accomplish the good things that you desire. I think that if we were honest, some of us would say, man, I've lost the passion. And I just can't seem to find it anymore. And I want to remind you and tell you right now, look at me in the eyes. That maybe today is just a reminder that God wants to revitalize that passion in your life. That's his hope for you. His promise for you. So let's pray and dive in. But before we pray, before you bow your heads, I just want to challenge you. I do this often. I do so because I know what it's like to attend church just for the sake of attending. To check it off the box. To make sure I'm getting you know, my, my good deed in for the week, or I think sometimes we feel like we're doing God a favor by showing up for church, and I just want to remind you that God is here and wants to do something miraculous in your life, but here's the kicker. You and I have to be open to what he wants to do. So today, I just want to pray for all of us and just say, God, would you open our hearts to hear and receive whatever it is you want to say? Would y'all do that? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? God, we thank you that you're in this place, and really, we kind of look to you in this moment. We look to you this morning and we just ask that you, you really speak to our hearts. Lord, we've lived enough life and seen enough things to know that, man, it's just kind of overwhelming at times and it's complicated at times. But God, today for the next 30 minutes or so, we just pray that you would do what only you can do, do the miraculous, that you would lean in and, and do something in our lives that helps us to see that you are at work, that we're not on our own, and that our greatest days are yet ahead of us. So we thank you for that now. We thank you for what you're doing in this moment, but God, we're excited about what the future holds. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. And I'm excited to share a couple thoughts with you, but before we do that, would y'all help me turn on these overhead lights? I'd like to see some faces out in the crowd and, and get to know who I'm talking to. I can't see you, even though you might think I can, but I, I can't see you. And so you know, as I said before, in, in the previous series, what we've done is we've taken a fictional monster like a, a zombie or a, a vampire or Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and we use it as a catalyst for the monsters that we struggle with. Oh, and now we feel like we're in Costco, but it's okay. I can see you. You can see me. And we've used these as a catalyst to kind of launch forward. But today, the monster we're talking about is actually pretty, pretty intense. And we're not actually going to dive into a hypothetical fictional character. And in fact, I've been more geared up for this sermon and this week than any other sermon. In fact, this was the reason why we decided to do this series. Because the monster we're talking about today is the monster of loss. And what's amazing to me is that all of us in this room have probably experienced it in one shape or form or fashion. Perhaps you lost a sibling or a parent. Two and a half years ago, my dad passed away and every Father's Day comes around and I'm reminded that he's not here. Maybe you lost a, a great friend or perhaps a distant relative or maybe some of you in this room 
have experienced the overwhelming grief of losing a child. And that loss really becomes overwhelming to a sense that we don't know exactly what to do. And then here's the challenge. It's November. And we're facing the holidays. And for some in this room, it's your first Thanksgiving or Christmas without someone who's always been present. Or maybe for some of us in this room, it's another holiday season. And the holidays, which should be exciting, and, and so many things kind of stir up great emotion and make us feel awesome about it. But for many, it's a discouragement. Sometimes holidays can become about who isn't here. And what I haven't accomplished yet. And what we should have done differently. And perhaps for some of us in the room, it isn't about the loss of a loved one, but it could be about the loss of a dream. Or the loss of a business or a job. Maybe you went into your workplace over the last few weeks or months and they said, hey, we actually no longer need you. Or maybe you started a business and it didn't go like you thought it was going to go and you put everything you knew to put into it, creativity and excitement and energy, but it just didn't work out like you thought it was going to work out. Or some of us in this room have or already are facing the loss of a marriage where it's on the rocks and you just don't know what to do to fix it anymore. Or maybe this is the first Thanksgiving or Christmas where you're sharing custody of your kids and it's just this constant reminder of what you no longer have and that's what loss is, isn't it? It's just something being taken away from us. And then we're left with this void that honestly none of us are prepared for. You can go to college to study psychology and you're still not prepared to handle loss. I'll never forget the morning that they called me to say that my dad had passed away. It was a Sunday morning at 5.30 a.m. and Nobody calls at 5.30 a.m. unless it's a problem. And we had been anticipating the call, so I picked up the phone, and my brother answered, and he said, hey, just want to let you know, Dad went to be with Jesus today. I said, thanks, man, I love you. And I hung up the phone, and I rolled over and just cried for about 30 seconds and took a deep breath because I had to preach that morning. And isn't that the way it happens with loss? You wish that the world could pause, but it doesn't. It keeps moving, and yet for some reason you feel stuck in the midst of eternity, not moving yet still breathing. And then I went through a whole day, and, and, and in that moment, there's a blitz of things, decisions you have to make, travel arrangements, funerals are coming, and how do we handle this, and what do we do? And I'll never forget diving into two services, tearing down the church, getting home, and thank God someone brought lunch over because we weren't thinking about lunch. And then we're making plans and funerals and trips and flights, and everything is booked. And about 10.30, I went in the room, and I just collapsed in a fetal position and wept like a child. It just hit. And it's just weird because sometimes it, it surfaces when I want it to and sometimes it doesn't. I'll never forget last Father's Day. My wife said, how you doing? I was like, I'm fine. What do you mean? And she said, I just was wondering about how you're feeling about losing, not having your dad. And it dawned on me. I didn't even think about him. And then I was overwhelmed with guilt. Why didn't I think about him? Man, have I forgotten how to be a good son? It's amazing how loss does that, isn't it? And it doesn't have to be the loss of a loved one. And so when that monster is under the surface, it evokes emotions. And I want to encourage you, if you've not been here, maybe you have, you need to go back and listen to the podcast. We're pulling from an amazing process called Restoration Therapy, and we're working with a young gal in our church who's got her master's in psychology. Her name is Brittany Wilson. And so we're really pulling some great stuff and resources. And I want to tell you right now, go back and listen to the podcast. Because when that emotion begins to stir, we now have to do something with this. We have to cope with it. 
And because most of us haven't gotten an education on how to cope with pain and loss, most of us cope in an unhealthy way. And we struggle with this, and then that creates what's called a pain cycle. Again, please refer to previous podcasts. So I just want to share a couple of potential pain cycles that you may have experienced in regards to loss. And can you just, everybody, look for here for a moment. Some of you in your room, maybe in this room, have never lost a close loved one, and that's okay. You probably know what it's like to feel loss. So you can insert whatever that emotion evokes in you inside this entire sermon. We experience loss, and then usually one way that we might cope with this is we feel abandoned. Like I'm detached and alone in the world. Then I become avoidant. And any reminder of the person, anything that I can see or sense that would feel like it's that person, I, I want to avoid it because I, I, I don't want to think about it. And the truth is I don't want to feel anything. And then others in my life, friends or family members or spouse, they lean in and try to help me process through what has happened. But then I feel like they're controlling me. So as a response, I begin isolating and shutting out everyone. Then over time, because I've been shutting people out, people stop reaching out to me. And now I feel truly abandoned. So what do I do? How do I respond? Well, most of us at that point, when we feel abandoned, we actually begin to do the worst thing. And that is to isolate even further, doing my best to shut out the world, never letting myself feel anything, blocking out everything that has to do with emotion. And as I do that, I end up inevitably blocking out a sense of joy. And now I feel like I don't ever see joy or feel joy ever since I went through that loss. Or perhaps some of us respond to it differently and instead of feeling abandoned, we feel powerless over anything. And, and the one person that we would turn to is God. I used to go to him, but it turns out that I don't even feel safe with him anymore. I mean, how could he let this thing happen anyways? I prayed and I tried to do everything I could do, and it seems as though he was absent. And so now what I do is I numb out. And I don't let anything or anyone in. My spouse, my close friends try to reach out for support, but I withdraw into myself to escape any kind of reminder or feeling. Can you identify? And over time, others seem to move in and, or move on or slowly find healing. But I'm not. I'm still stuck here. I feel guilty. And then I begin to judge those that are closest to me, which causes those that I love most to push me away. And now I feel more powerless than ever before and unsafe. And I can't remember the last time that I felt anything. I don't know what you've experienced, and I don't know what you've walked through. Those are just some hypothetical scenarios that I think most of us can identify with a few components of. And I want to share a few thoughts to you and remind you of the, of the promises of God's word, but I just want to also tell you, some people may be going through some real current struggles with loss, and there's no right or wrong way to mourn. You need to know that. And there's no right timeline either. But it is crucial for you and I, however, that we don't allow our loss to become the lens through which we see the world. I want to remind you of the verse we read earlier, Philippians 2, that God will continually revitalize you. Do you see me stand on my tiptoes? That means it's a real big point. Ooh, feel that change. Everything shifts. Look at that. Implanting within you the passion to accomplish the good things. So I want to share five things in about 15 minutes that have helped me in the journey. And can I be transparent? Can we do that? 
I, I'm not mastered these things. I'm not saying I've, I've, I've got them down all the time. I'm just saying these are things that have helped me in the journey, and I, I hope maybe it can help you. And I would encourage you, if you haven't, text the word notes. Text the word notes or pull out your smartphone and start taking some notes. You say, well, I haven't lost anyone close to me. Well, live on, my friend. Live on, my friend. Because if you haven't experienced loss, there will be a day where the overwhelming feeling of loss will seem like an impossible, hopeless scenario. But the great thing is God has greater plans for you and me. Number one, the first thing that's helped me navigate through the loss in my life is prayer. Everybody say prayer. I just, I actually get a little discouraged sometimes at the, the way that most people who say I'm a Christ follower look at prayer. If you're here and you're not sure what it is that you believe, permission to belong before you believe. You hang tight, but if you're here and you say I'm a Christ follower, I believe so many of us put so little power and effectiveness in what prayer can actually do. But look what James 5 says. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Most people never even pray when adversity strikes, when we walk through loss. And what we do is we depend solely on human effort, which may see temporary success, but eventually it fails. But my friends, I want to encourage you that prayer changes things and it changes people. God, man, is referred to often in the Bible as a father. In fact, a good father. I've got two girls, and can I tell you, especially as one is nearing or she is a teenager, even though she's a girl, she's not always open with what's going on in her world with her dad. She's more open with her mom. And whenever she starts to tell me of the stories and the nuances, you know what I do? I sit down and I lean in. Because I freaking love that kid. I love her. And anytime she wants to talk to me, I want to listen. It's the same way that God is. Sometimes we think he doesn't want to be troubled with my problems. But man, he's just kind of waiting with open arms. Well, I haven't talked to him. Some of you just thought of a Creed song. Shut it out. Don't listen. I want to sing it, but I will die because you can hear the, the badness in my voice. So listen, he literally is waiting with arms wide open. <laughs> and you might say, but I've been running from God. I haven't talked to God forever. He doesn't care. He's still right there, right there waiting. Something shifts when we start to pray. Something changes. You might say, I'm angry at God. He can handle that. I'm frustrated. I, he let me down. I don't even know if he's there. He can handle it. If he can handle the sin of humanity and create a solution for it, he can handle it when you're angry with him. So my greatest prayer times are when I'm yelling at God, not about people, but at God. He can handle it. And something shifts. Listen, there are more marriages saved, more sicknesses healed, more people walking in purpose today because of prayer. Man, you need to know that. In fact, if you're struggling to pray, you tell me about it. Fill out a stinking status update card and let us pray for you. I've got a list of prayers of people's names that moms and dads have come to me and said, man, my son or my daughter's running in the opposite direction. And I said, I'll pray with you. My life was transformed because my mom never stopped praying for me. And I'm telling you, I don't know what you're facing or what you're walking through, but don't underestimate the power of prayer. In fact, we've given you a resource. If you don't know how to pray or when to pray or what to pray, you can text the word READ. And we've given you an outline. It's what I follow through with my prayer time. And we've also given you ways to follow along and read what the church team and staff are reading. We don't want to give you, we want to make sure you have resources to do this. I'm just telling you, prayer shifts things. It changes things. And if you're walking through the worst times of loss, 
Prayer is the number one thing you need. Number two, promises. Everybody say promises. Come on, like you mean it, say promises. You need to know that God has promises for you, and they're a reminder for us. Some of us, we get defeated at times of loss because we stop believing in God's promises. And I get it because most of us have had people fail us. And if we're honest, some of us have had life fail us. Like not necessarily people, but things completely out of your control. And all of a sudden now, I don't even know what to do. But what we do is we project, we project the failures of humanity onto the true and living God. And we think, well, if he or she failed me and they walked down the aisle and they made that covenant to me and they didn't fulfill it, well, God's probably going to do the same thing to me. And my friends, that is not the truth. God's promises are powerful and they never fail. And they can meet the deepest needs that you're walking through for those who just believe and stand on them. 1 Peter 5.10 is such a powerful scripture. Look at what it says. It'll be on the screen for you to read. And I just kind of want to explain it. Look at this. And after you have suffered a little while, isn't that a great start to an encouraging verse? That word suffered, you know what that word means? It means to endure pain, death, distress, or loss, disability, or handicap. What's it suggesting? That the idea behind suffering is the fact that most of us didn't do anything to deserve it, but yet we're still here. After you've suffered, look at that, a little while, what does that mean? No matter how bad the pain is, look at me, you're going to make it through this. Just a little while, he says. Look at me in the eyes for a moment. No matter how bad the pain is, you're going to make it through this. You're going to make it through this. Look at me, you're going to make it through this. This isn't the end. You're going to make it. Well, my marriage, it's, it's over. We're separated. We're not even the same. But you can make it through this. After you've suffered a little while, look at this. The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, look at this, will himself restore you. That's the implied word. Restore. Do you know what that means? To renew or to rebuild. And this might seem impossible depending on what you've walked through, but that's because we want God to replace what we've lost. But that may not be the way that God works. He says renew or rebuild. Something new. That's God's plan and promise for you. What does the word go on to say? He will restore and confirm. Confirm means to make strong. To make strong. I think in the darkest times of loss, we feel weak. Like we can't handle any more of this. God, I can't do this anymore. We've got a family in our church literally every Sunday for the past four weeks has had a family member in the emergency room. Right now, her husband is in the hospital walking through something crazy, and nobody's like, oh, you know what I'd like to do is this for the next four Sundays. That'd be awesome. No, we get to a point where we're breaking. We're like, man, God, I can't handle this. But the word is saying that God will make you strong. And then he comes in and he says, strengthen. Well, that's weird. Why would he say make me strong and then strengthen? You know what this word means? It literally means to be marked by the resolution that others will see strength in you. Some of us think, man, I don't want people to know what I'm walking through. I feel so weak. I feel so abandoned. I don't know if I can handle this. And God's promises, not only will he make you strong, but other people will see the strength in you. You need to know people are always watching. Trying to see how we're going to respond. I'll never forget that morning when my dad passed. 
moments after I cried, I just felt like the Holy Spirit lean in and just say, hey, Carrie, people need to see your strength. And something on the inside said, okay. There was something in me that gave me this, this excitement that, man, even though it's hard for me to be strong for myself, I can be strong for others. If other people need to know that when what seems crippling hits you, if you can still stand, man, there's something about that. And the verse goes on, I will restore, I will confirm, I will strengthen. And then it says, I will establish you. And the word establish means to lay a foundation. And when we walk through serious crisis, doesn't it feel as if the rug has been pulled out from underneath us? As though our world is turned upside down. Everything that I knew to be true is no longer true. It's gone as if I no longer have a foundation. And what God's promises are for you and for me is that he will build a new foundation. He will make you stronger. He will give you strength to stand in the midst of adversity that people will see and recognize your strength. This is God's promises. And when we know his promises, we can hold to them. Number one is prayer. Number two is promises. And why do we need to hold to God's promises? That's because most of the time when we face crisis, when we face loss, the answers don't come when we want them to, do they? They just seem to take a little longer than we really want them to. God, are you still in this thing with me? And that brings us to point number three, patience. Nobody loves that word ever. Patience. James 1, 4 says, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it or God do its work so you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. And the difficult thing about being patient in a time of loss is because we get frustrated and, hey, if we're honest, we just get exhausted. I'm just tired. I don't know if I've got any more fight in me. I don't know if I've got this, but can I just remind you that God has a purpose for every pain. He never wastes a pain, ever. Look at me. He never wastes a pain, no matter how great, no matter how challenging. So I think what we've got to do in order to really be patient, we've got to shift my focus from my timing to rehearsing my trust in his timing. And I said that on purpose. I've got to shift my focus from my time. And God, when are you going to do this? I'm waiting. I'm praying. I'm being faithful. I'm waiting on you, God. We've got to shift our focus from my timing. Listen, this is important. To rehearsing my trust in his timing. We're great at rehearsing the problem. We're great at rehearsing the issue. We're great at talking about the things that we're frustrated by and why we're discouraged. But now it's time to start rehearsing my trust in God's timing. That he is faithful. That he is at work. He never wastes a pain. So we cling to those promises. So prayer, promises, patience. And number four, perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. Come on, like you mean it, perseverance. Paul, one of my favorite scriptures for me is found in Philippians chapter 3. I love the way the message paraphrase says it. I've got my eye on the goal. Where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. What's he saying? I'm not giving up. When I face overwhelming loss, man, it's challenging to not give up. In fact, most of us do. 
most of us, when we, we feel like we, didn't not, we got no more fight in me, we just kind of give up, and, and you need to know that God's going to see you through. I love how Hebrews chapter 10 says this, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Look at this, for he who promised is faithful. Look at how the scripture points us back to the promises of God. For he who has promised is faithful. Perseverance. You know the old adage that time heals all wounds, and I don't think that's actually true. Especially if you've lost someone that's extremely close to you. I think that's because what we think is that time dismisses the pain that I'm feeling or the role that maybe they played in my life or the dream that I once had, but that's not what happens here. Time doesn't remove or take away the pain, but if I don't give up, time does make me stronger. My life verse right now is found in Isaiah chapter 50 where it says, I have made my face like a flint. In other words, I'm not turning back. I'm not giving up. And the Bible says that God will not fail. So I'm not asking you to dismiss the pain, but just allow the Holy Spirit to make you stronger. Galatians 6, 9 says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, look at that, if we do not give up. Some of you are here today, look at me in the eyes, and you're on the edge, and you've got the towel in your hand, and you look behind you, and you, you only glance because you don't want to stay there long because all you see is the pain and the regret and the loss, the things that you no longer have, and you are about to throw. In fact, you may not have even wanted to come to church today, but, man, I feel like God wants you to know, man, don't throw in that towel. Don't give up. Don't give up. Man, I think sometimes that... We, we look at people in our life that seem like heroes and champions because of accolades or accomplishments. But the greatest people who've accomplished the greatest things are not because of talent and skill set. It's because they faced overwhelming adversity and they did not give up. And I believe that some of you came in today and you thought, man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't have the strength. And that might be true, but God has the strength for you. And today the monster is not about what you're feeding it. It's just simply saying, I'm not going to quit. Even though I want to throw this towel in and I can give you a million reasons why. I'm going to choose to stay here and fight. Half the battle is just per perseverance and choosing not to fight. Can I tell you that if you're here and you're there in that place of battling and you feel like girl, go, giving up and throwing in the towel, hey, you need people around you. And that's why we exist as a church. Maybe your next step is to go to the Welcome to Church party next week and find out how to connect. There's some great people who, they aren't going to have all the answers. But they'll walk with you. Some of them are weird, so it's okay, just kind of get past that. The rest of them are great. I have a great connect group. We meet on Saturdays. There's nine of us guys every Saturday in there's a couple of us guys in the, in the group that are just walking through some rough times. And you know, we just committed to pray for each other. Just so that you know and I know you're not alone. Where's God? That's God working through people. Just don't give up. Don't give up. Prayer, promises, patience, perseverance. And the last thing is praise. 
And this one's the hardest. Because when we're struggling through loss and discouragement, the hardest thing to do is to show God or to even find and reach deep down for anything we're grateful for. But there's something that changes and takes place when we begin to praise. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, be cheerful no matter what. Dang it. There's no, there's no get out of jail card there. Just like be cheerful no matter what. I'm just going to throw that in there. Look at that. Pray again. Pray all the time. Look at that. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. How can I praise God right now? This pain is overwhelming. What you're not doing is you're not trying to dismiss or remove what you've lost or just say it wasn't important. But what I'm doing is I'm shifting my focus off of what I've lost and I'm shifting it onto the things that God wants to do in the future. I'm not saying I'm ignoring it or I, I'm just wiping it from my memory, but I'm just shifting my focus to the great things that God is doing. And when we praise and we look for the good things that are happening in life and not the bad, a shift really does take place. It just changes the way that we operate and the way that we think. And I believe that praise actually begins to bring in the victory in our life. Because we start to realize, man, God is doing something awesome right here, right now. And if you need a list of what to praise about or what to be thankful for, let's go grab coffee. And you can start with me. Man, I'm so thankful for the best looking pastor in all of the world. <laughs> start up there at the top. I'm grateful for a church that cares enough to walk with me. I'm grateful for the friends that I do have. And I'm grateful for the time that I did have with the one that I lost. The greatest thing I've ever been a part of was my dad's going home celebration, his funeral. Nearly 700 people showed up, and it was an hour and 30 minutes long because he's got seven kids, and 90 of us are pastors. And 26 people said yes to Jesus. We cried, and we celebrated his life. So that's not dismissing the pain, but it's recognizing what I'm grateful for. So some of us, what we've got to do is start with the praise and not dismiss the loss. Man, I would love to have my dad. He texted me every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning. Listen to your podcast today. It was so good. I loved your point about this, and I loved your point about that. And there's not a Sunday that goes by that I don't wish I had that text. But if I focus there, then I might miss out on the people that I do have in my world. So I'm just saying maybe today the step for you is to focus in on praise. And let God begin to shift your focus. Prayer, promises, patience, perseverance, and praise. My hope and prayer is that for all of us today, no matter what we're walking through, one of these sticks out and we can begin to adjust and work on so that God can do what he wants to do in our life. How many of you would say, you know what? I have gone through some struggles and I could really use this today. Would you just raise your hand? No, no shame. Thank you. Thank you. Can I pray for us? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we thank you that you're here and you're doing something in our life. And God, we're not alone. In fact, many of us just needed to be reminded that we're not alone. That you're in this journey with us. So God, I just pray that you lean in close, God. 
as many of us are struggling and approaching fastly the holidays and and all that that brings, the good, the bad, and the indifferent. God, I just pray that you'd help us to work through this. But God, I pray as we begin to pursue you that we really can shift our focus to prayer and God, your promises and patience, perseverance, and praise. Working on the things on the inside so that we can be the people that you've called us to be. I thank you that you care about every pain and you have a purpose for it. I just pray, God, you'd help us to be the men and women you've called us to be now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Hey, let me just talk to some of us in this room who may be wavering in our faith. You know, every Sunday we do this and we give people an opportunity to just start with Jesus. Maybe the next step for you isn't just focusing on five points that all begin with P and it all makes sense and their scriptures align. Maybe the next step for you is just simply saying yes to God. I'm not talking about joining a church, and look at me in the eyes, I'm definitely not talking about eradicating your past, but just simply saying, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with my life now. And if you're here and you've never done that, never made that decision, in a moment I'm going to give you a chance with no embarrassment to you. You don't have to get out of your seat. In fact, this is going to be an amazing moment between you and God, but I want to challenge you, don't walk out these doors today without saying yes to him. And look at me, some of you in this room have been running from God, and today is the day to come running back. And when we have this moment, I want to challenge you, pray this prayer with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, nobody looking around. If you're here and you've never begun this journey, or today is the day to come running back to God, then right where you're seated in the quietness of your own heart, I want you to pray this prayer after me to say, Dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose. God, I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? And just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at and if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.